Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Father, we just thank you, God, that you are holy, Lord. We just bless you in this place today. We thank you, God, that you've come, God, to make us holy. God, you found us in our uncleanness. And you've come to wash us, God. God, we're just so blessed, God, to be a people who know you. To be a God who who stooped down, God, to reach down into the darkness and pull us up, God, into your light. And Lord, we just thank you this day that, God, that you brought us into a place where we can actually sing and cry out and declare that you are holy. And God, we just thank you for that today, God. We just thank you, God, for the life that you bring, Father, to each one. We just thank you for your spirit that's come to breathe on every soul in this place today. And for all those, God, just watching with us online, we just, we just thank you that your spirit is able to reach them there, Father, where they are. So, God, just be blessed. Be magnified in this place today. For your name is great, and it is greatly to be praised. And we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good every day. Um, Again, for those of you who rolled in afterwards, we we do have our Highway to Wholeness going on this weekend. And uh, that's why we're a little lower in numbers here, because they're over there taking in some sessions and learning how to... uh, how to walk in victory. But uh, anyways, uh, a few announcements this week. As you know, normally our connect groups are going on through the week, but this is our off week because we always do three on and three off. Um, and so for those of you who are in a connect group, uh, just realize that uh, maybe do some of you have yours going on? Oh, sorry, the other way around. Did I say that the opposite way? Okay, thank you for correcting me on that. Um, yeah, so we have three on and one off, and this week is our, is our off week. So, um, but anyways, if you're, if you're with us this morning or you're online just streaming with us and, um, and you'd like to get involved in a connect group, it really is kind of the backbone of our church and just allowing us to kind of meet together and uh, as a people be able to share a little deeper together uh, as individuals. So, um, so that's off for this coming week. So as you know, if you've been um, trailing with us the last uh, three weeks, I believe it is now, Pastor Travis has been doing uh, a series kind of along the lines of families and family relationships and asking you, is your bubble in trouble? Is your bubble in trouble? And if it is, he's given us some steps uh, on what we need to do uh, to help with that. that. And uh, I don't know if I should test you here or not this morning. Does anybody remember what those uh, steps are? What should we be doing? The three W's. Wow, awesome. You guys have been listening. That's right. So wait and wash and worship, right? We need to wait on God. We need to be washed by the water of the word. And we need to be those who come and who worship and, and, uh, and bless the Lord. And, you know, he's been uh, pulling up, uh, as he begun each series, pulling up Malachi chapter 4, which we're going to go there right now. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5 and 6. And Malachi there... Um, being a prophet in his day, which was about 400 years before Jesus even came. 
It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. You know, the thing that I find interesting here in turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers is that God chooses to send a prophet. You know, the prophetic is incredibly important to the health of your family and my family, of the relationships that we have and we're able to grow in, is, is that of the prophetic voice. And, um, you know, this, that he would come in, not only is it a prophet, but it's interesting, it notes that he would come in the power of Elijah. Now, if we go back to 1 Kings and chapter 18 and um, verse 37 there, Elijah's praying, and he, and he comes. Before we read this verse, just to give you a little backdrop, Elijah comes, and he has this incredible gathering of people on the top of a mountain called Mount Carmel. And what ha- what's going on on that day is the nation has gone away from the ways of God. They're worshiping Baal and, and, and bowing down to Baal. And Baal's ways were ways that were perverse and corrupt, and the nation was following after this way and, and sacrificing their children to Baal and, and all kinds of horrendous things. I mean, if you were living or if we were to bring that forward into our day, we would just think it was just, you know, incredibly atrocious what was going on. But that's what was going on in their day. And so Elijah comes and he says, listen, he says to the nation, let's all gather together on this mountain. And if Baal is God, then let's follow him. But if the Lord God, the one true and living God is God, then let's follow him. He says, you guys set up your sacrifice over there. I'll set up a sacrifice to the Lord, my God, over here. And the God that answers with fire, he's, he will be shown to be the one true God. So, of course, as you know, the story goes, uh, Baal and all his worshipers, and there was 400 of them that were there that day, and only Elijah, let alone Elijah all by himself, but uh, so they worshiped, and, and uh, before God, they set up their, their God, the God of Baal, the whole day long. And it says they danced around, and they cut themselves, it said, until their blood flowed. And it says that no one heard, no one paid attention, there was no voice. And so it comes to the time of the evening sacrifice, when normally the sacrifice uh, to the one true God would be offered up to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And, and Elijah calls the people, and he says, gather around. And he sets up the altar. He builds the altar again that was broken down, gathers all the stones in. He digs a trench around it. He puts the animal and the wood on there. And then he has the people drench it. They, they keep bringing these pots of water and drenching the sacrifice with fire so that it would be known that this fire, there's no way this thing is going to catch on fire in the natural it's just, it's got to be supernatural. You know, God just loves to do that. He loves to show up and show himself as a supernatural God who's able to touch lives and turn hearts. And so this is what goes on. And, and so before, just as he's about to, um, before God sends his fire, Elijah prays here in verse 37. And he says, hear, O Lord God, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God 
and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. That you have turned their hearts back to you again. Just as we read there in Malachi, that someone was going to come in the power like the prophet Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And then as we know, the fire of God falls and consumes the sacrifice, consumes the stones, consumes even the water and everything in the trench, and the people fall down, they worship, and they say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And so, you know, then we find in the New Testament, 400 years later, this guy comes to fulfill this word here. And his name, as we know, is John the Baptist. And he's a prophet who comes. And, you know, in the prophetic, it's interesting that the prophetic happens in two levels. First, of, of course, is just the word of God itself, right? That, this word is a word that prophets over the ages have spoken and that God has been fulfilling his word, uh, speaking about the coming of the Messiah, speaking about the coming of Jesus, which we know happened 2,000 years ago. And there's a word here about that Jesus is going to come again for those who have chosen to give their hearts to him, to surrender to him, to walk in a life that, as we're singing, is holy, you know, because God has changed our hearts and enabled us to live a holy life. And, but in order for that to happen, um, you know, we need that prophetic voice. And so this word that Pastor Travis has been encouraging us to allow to come into our lives and to wash us is a proclamation. And it's, it's a, so whenever you declare this word, you are speaking in a prophetic way. But the other level in which the prophetic happens is there's those, of course, we know who are, have that gift of prophecy and that comes. So like Elijah, right, he, he was a prophet in his day declaring uh, God's word. And in that sense, a prophet is someone who makes known something that's hidden, right? He uncovers something maybe that's, that's in secret but that you don't see. He calls it out. And also it can even have and often does have a futuristic uh, element to it. In other words, that prophet will declare something that is to come. And he's declaring something or someone that is going to come in the future. And so Elijah um, was this prophet. And, you know, I, I experienced that in my own life, this, this prophetic element of calling. And, of course, um, my story is, you know, I grew up on the farm and then went off to college to to uh, agricultural college, and when I was there, I think it was just hadn't been my habit, but just because I was away from home, I decided I was going to start reading one chapter of the Bible every night before I went to bed. Now, I had grown up in a, in, in a Christian home, but it was, it was pretty traditional, and yet I just decided, I guess I, maybe I was just trying to seek or to find what my roots were, but God began to speak to me. It was as I read his word, as I read that word, it began to call me out. I began to see who Jesus was. I saw his life in a way that I really had never seen it before. I began to, it's like his life just leapt off the pages. And I thought, wow, if this is truly what it means to be a believer, to be a Christian, then I know I'm not a Christian. And, and God just brought me to that place of repentance. God began to, to turn my heart, you know, and and the other thing I started to see, yeah, was myself. And that's what happens is, is when 
God begins to reveal himself to you. You begin to see yourself for who you are. And that is so important. It's so important that we don't just see who Jesus, who he is, but that we see ourselves. We see where we're at. And, and God doesn't do that in a condemning way. He never does it in a condemning way. He always does it in a way of conviction where he's, he's giving you hope. Look, there's hope. You can change. And, and you can come into a life of freedom. You can live in a way of victory and power in your life. So God began to call me out just simply by his word. But then also, I think a couple years after I had been a believer, this lady came to the church I was attending at the time, uh, and she had a prophetic uh, gifting in her life. And so after she'd given the message, she called people to come up uh, who wanted prayer at the front. And so I came up to the front, and, you know, quite honestly, and, I, and this is just how God moves, I, I came up the front, but when she was speaking, like, I was almost falling asleep the whole time. And, and it, it just, but anyways, I got this call that you could come to the front, so I thought, well, hey, why not? You know, uh, I'll come up and see what God has to say or whatever. So I came up the front, and I was standing there. Uh, and this lady, she was an older lady, and uh, she was legally blind. And I was probably standing over somewhere here from her. And she just says to me, she says, young man, take my hand. And so I come over and step up to her, and I take her hand. And she begins to speak over me. She begins to prophesy over me and along the lines of saying, uh, I just see you. You're like a young man. You're like Gideon. You know, you're threshing out your, your, your wheat in the wine press. And she begins to say, oh, God, just... You pray your hand on this young man and, and your call upon his life. And she, she says, he feels so unworthy. He feels so unworthy. He feels so unworthy. And she's calling that out of me. And if you remember the story of Gideon, you know, Gideon was a guy when God began to call him, he, you know, he said, well, why me? You know, who am I? I'm the least of my clan and, and my tribe, the tribe of Manasseh, is the least among the tribes of Israel. And, and this woman was just calling this out of me. And, you know, God just began to show me. I know where you're at, and, and I know the deep struggles that are still in your life. And so that's what the prophetic does to help bring us out of that place that we're at and, and, and move us on into the place where God wants you to be. And that's what it takes oftentimes to turn your heart and to turn the hearts of the fathers in families to their children and the hearts of a child to their father. So, you know, when, after I'd come to that place where I repented, um, I, I did. I, I literally saw a change in the, the kind of relationship that I would have with my dad. My dad uh, was a great man. He really was a strong believer and, and a godly man who provided for me. He stood for Christian principles. And uh, in the day, he was on uh, council in the township, the Murray Township area here. Uh, served there for quite a number of years. I don't know. 15, 20 years or something, we're in that area, and, uh, and always was not ashamed to stand for Jesus, but he was not a man who was intimate. I can't say that I ever really recall a time where my dad said, I love you, and he was not a man who would come and, and just hug you and, and that sort of thing, you know, and, and my mom was kind of that way too, in the same way, and so, you know, we all have those experiences you know, I mean, different, I mean, all of us have different relationship experiences with our father, but that was mine, and, and as much as my dad was a good man and a godly man and a provider, that caused a real struggle in my life, 
uh, you know, of, of how to be intimate and how to be expressive and, and to break out and not be afraid, you know, to be emotional uh, in my life. And so I remember after I got saved, when my dad would call my name, I never felt guilty anymore. I never felt ashamed because previous to that, when my dad would call my name, maybe he's just calling me for a particular ta- task or something to do on the farm. You know, I'd say, I would kind of always think inside, I would think, uh-oh, you know, what, well, what's, what's going to happen now? What's, is he going to find something out? You know, and that's probably because deep in my own heart, I knew I'd been living a lifestyle that, you know, wasn't good. And, uh, and maybe he found out some of what that was. But, you know, God began to turn my heart. He began to bring an intimacy in that way. I was not afraid of my father. I was not ashamed anymore. The second thing uh, that it did for me was that I had a desire to grow in that intimacy with my dad. So one time I said, hey, dad, I said, why don't we um, do a canoe trip, you know? And so I'd set up, you know, for us to do this canoe trip. Some of you might be familiar with Cold Creek. And uh, Cold Creek runs, you know, across country here. But we put in a little bridge by Wooler, and we're going to go down to Stockdale. So it's it's quite a windy uh, creek, if any of you are familiar with it. And to go between those two points is probably a good two and a half hours. So we're on this trip, and we're paddling away and going through stuff. And after a while, he's complaining, you know, that, you know, oh, man, you know, I wasn't expecting this trip to be this long. And, you know, he's probably thinking he's got other things to do and that sort of thing. And I'm getting a little frustrated because I'm thinking, you know, I want to spend some time with my dad here and and, uh, trying to make this relationship happen. And so I was getting a little angry and a little bit frustrated. But then I just realized, you know what, it's like I'm here with my dad. You know, like, we're, at least we're here and we're doing this thing. And, you know, I've learned over the time, even in, in my marriage with my wife, it's like a bad date is better than no date at all. You know, and in and, and the growth of seeing relationships happen and moving forward, you know, just be thankful that you're doing it. That's, that's a step and a growth of intimacy. That's how two hearts come together is you take that first step and you allow that growth to begin to happen. And uh, as I say, you know, my parents uh, were never really expressive and, and never said that I loved you, never really hugged me a lot. And uh, I remember a period of time where I was really frustrated about that and, and wanted to break out and, and see that grow. And at one point, the Lord just said to me, Peter, he said, if you want it to happen, then you do it. And I'm thinking, well... Lord, it's like, they're the father, they're the mother, like, they're the ones that are supposed to train me, they're the ones that are supposed to show me how to do this, and show me how to love, and show me how to be expressive, but you just have to accept that, well, you know, yes, they should have, but they didn't, so if you want it, then you do it, you lead out in it, so God just began to teach me, you need to lead out in that, you need to say, and, and that was tough for me, like, I was a very introverted person, I remember, actually, there was one time I went to my dad, and I grew up, and I was probably, I don't know, 15, 16 anyway, and I was still calling my father and my mother, daddy and mummy, and I just thought, you know, it was just, it was too childlike for me, and especially if I had my friends around, whatever, so I remember I really had to work up my courage one day, and I went to my dad, and I said, dad, you know, would you mind if I just called you dad instead of daddy? And uh, 
He said, yeah, sure, that'd be okay. You know, and it's like, it took everything within me, you know, to say that, just to come to that point. Because that's how bound up I was, you know. But when I came to this place in my life, that's what it did. It began to bring a freedom in my life. The prophetic word of God and my relationship growing with the Lord began to change my relationship with my parents. And so I started saying to my dad and mom, I love you. I began to going to my dad and my mom and hugging them. And I could tell the, the discomfort that they felt initially with that. And I, I still felt the discomfort, right? But then slowly it kind of felt the flow of it, you know, after a couple of years. And there was probably a couple of years after that before they started to feel the flow of it, you know? And, and so things began to flow as you desire them. The desire was already there for me. And, and the feeling of the ability wasn't necessarily there, but the, the, the desire was there. And it took a while for my dad and mom to get to that place where the desire was even there for them. And then, you know, as years went on, it just, it opened up more. It just, it just grew. And so God still is in the business of doing that. He's still in the business of turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers. And... So, you know, we find here in Luke chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, um, the fulfillment of this prophecy that Malachi gave some 400 years before Jesus came. There was a man that was going to become, he was going to be the forerunner to Jesus coming. And his name was John the Baptist. And his father got a word here from before he was even born from an angel. And it says here, the angel said to Zechariah, his father, he said, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he also will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So we see here, John is the guy who's coming to fulfill this word that was given back in Malachi. And so, then in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2, when John begins his ministry, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, you know, John had lived out in the wilderness at this point for 30 years. He's like in, he's around 30 years old when he starts his ministry. And that whole time previously, he's out in the wilderness and just waiting on God for God to come and, and just speak into his life and, and to prepare him for this time that he's going to come forth to do what God purposed from ages before for him to do. And it's interesting, and maybe, Brian, if we can go there to, uh, to Luke Chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. I don't know if you have that verse. But as he's going to step forward uh, in his ministry here, I can grab that if you don't have that, uh, Brian. Uh, Luke chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2. And it says here, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Etura, and the region of Triconitus, and Licinius, 
tetrarch of Abilene, while Ananias and Caiaphas uh, were high priests, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Now, we have a list of, I think it's about eight people before we even come to John. These people were those who were leaders in their day. They were governors. Uh, they were high priests. And these were the people who were in a position, in a place where they probably should have been hearing the word of God. And they should have been leading the people uh, in the ways of God. But it says the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness. Why did John? Because as we've been hearing, you know, to help get your bubble out of trouble, he was waiting on God. You know, he was ministering to the Lord out there in the wilderness. He'd given up some of the comforts of his own day. You know, he didn't, he didn't live in a nice house, you know, and he didn't uh, eat all the fancy foods that everybody else was feeding. And probably not too many of you have, have, have the diet that John the Baptist had, which was eating locusts and wild honey. And, but that was, that, was, that was what he had. That's what he did. And it says the word of the Lord came because he waited on God and waited for God to come and speak him. And, you know, it's the same today for you is that as you make those sacrifices, whatever they are, whatever God is, is calling you to, and, and wait on God, God's going to meet you. God's going to give you a word for people out there who don't know him, who need to hear your testimony, who need to hear what God has done in your life. And so that as you call people, you know, to repentance, as you call people to a life in God, they're going to believe, they're going to respond because they're going to see what God's done in your life. They're going to see the difference that it's made in your life. And so John comes here, and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, I love that little word there, for. Repent for. In other words, because. You know, if you're going to call people to repentance, there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason. Like, why should I change my lifestyle? Why, why should I give up uh, why I'm doing? Why should I give up uh, living with my girlfriend? Why should I uh, give up my drugs? You know, why should I give up uh, the lifestyle that I have? Well, because the kingdom of God is at hand. Because there's coming a time where you're going to be held accountable for the life that you're living. And, and God doesn't want you to perish. God does not want you to miss uh, the purpose and the call for which he created you, no matter what lifestyle you might be in the middle of. And so if you pay attention, I really encourage you to do this. You know, as you get in God's word, as you wait upon him, and as you allow God's word to wash you, pay attention to the little words. You know, I was reading one day, um, and you're probably familiar with the scripture verse. It says, for with God, all things are possible. For with God, all things are possible. It doesn't say there that for God, all things are possible because they are. But the strength of the verse there is with God because God has called you to be with him, to be in communion with him, to be walking with him. And when you're with God, then all things will be possible for you, right? And so it, it, it just turns around the whole dynamic and the strength of that verse that as you walk with God, that things will be made possible 
for you. And so here, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. There's a reason. You know what? I've learned over, you know, I've been walking with the Lord 30-some years now. And many times the Lord just keeps bringing me back. You know, don't forget for me not to forget where I came from. For me not to forget the road that I was on and where I was heading when God called me. Because it's easy to get on this road and then start taking for granted, you know, where you're at. It's so easy to forget where you came from and start losing the zeal, start losing the passion, start losing the purpose for why you're walking this road. And I'll tell you, I know at the time, you know, like I was dating a girl from high school uh, when the Lord began to uh, intervene in my life, began to draw me to himself. And I was already thinking marriage with this girl. And I'll tell you, if I'd have married her, I don't think that relationship would have lasted any more than two years. And I, I would have divorced her and would have went on. And who, God only knows what other messes I would have got into. God only knows, you know, how that would have extrapolated into other broken relationships and things like that. I just know that because I know where I was at. And I know as I came to the Lord, the, the things that God began to deal with in my life. Because, because I was a very lustful person. I was a person who was very perverted in my thinking. And God began to work in me in that area of my life. And, you know, I, every now and again, I just stop and I, I think about, God, thank you where you saved me from. Thank you for how you turned me from the lifestyle that I was living and have brought me to this place. So never forget, never forget, you know, where you've come from and, and what God has done in your life and how he's changed you. And, and brought you to this place. And so I just want to give you a little bit of a taste this morning uh, from this point of what um, some of the sessions they're taking over there. One of the sessions we go through over there is called the Steps to Freedom. And in these Steps to Freedom, there are what we call the eight R's of freedom. And that's because every word here, every step starts with an R. There's a word we put to it, starts with an R. And we want to look at that because as we find, you know, if we're going to keep our bubble from being in trouble, um, we need to have those steps in place that God has for us in order to come. And if we're going to lead other people into those steps of freedom, we have to know what they are. And I've found over the years that if you leave one of the, just even one of these steps out, if you don't somehow include that in your life, you'll never come into that full victory. You'll never come into that full freedom that God has for you in your life. So the first R here to a step of, of freedom is to recognize. You know, recognize means to acknowledge the existence of, the validity of something, or the legality of it. You know, you have to be able to stop and recognize if you have a problem or if you have an issue in your life. You have to recognize if there's something there that's giving an open door for the enemy to have influence in your life. Because until you recognize it, you'll never deal with it. You'll never do anything about it. So before you can even get to the place of repenting, you have to recognize it. 
The second thing you have to do is you have to take responsibility for it. And taking responsibility is uh, the definition there would be the state or the fact of being accountable. So when you take responsibility for something, you are saying, I am responsible for whatever my issues are. I'm, I'm not going to point the finger at somebody else anymore. I'm not going to point the finger at my dad or my mom and say, well, you know, I struggled with being intimate. I struggled with being a person who could express myself because that's just the way I was brought up. So this is the way I'm always going to be. You know, this is just who I am. Well, that's not being responsible. That's not being accountable for those things that you need to deal with in your life. And so you have to recognize it, and you have to take responsibility. And I love the way uh, a gentleman, I was at a conference once, and the way he uh, also defined this word responsibility. He says, responsibility is your response to the ability that God has given you. Because you know what? God's given every one of us an ability. Whatever it is, whatever level it is, he's given you an ability. And it's your response to what God has given you. And that's your responsibility is to respond to the ability he's given you and make the change that you need to, to come and be accountable and stop making excuses. So once you've recognized and once you've taken responsibility, then you're at the place where you can repent, right? Now, now we've seen this reason, right? John the Baptist, he came and he said, repent for because, well, now you know what the because is in your life because you've recognized it and you've taken responsibility for it, right? And now you can repent. And repent, what does repent mean? Well, as Pastor Travis has been speaking to us too, it means to change, it means a total change of direction. It means to turn 180 degrees and go in the opposite direction. And the other word, the other thing that actually original when that comes out of, uh, of the Greek there, that word repentance, it comes from a word that actually meant to have a second thought that calls into question the error of the first thought. To have a second thought that calls into error, um, the question, the error of the first thought. And when that happens, then you begin to have a change of your inner values. It changes your inner values. And when your inner values, the things that you used to value in life, when you change those values, then it begins to change uh, what your actions are. So a change of inner values has to happen before you can change your outer actions in the way that you're responding things. So we recognize, we take responsibility, and then we repent. And then, number four, we renounce. So, you know, to renounce means to reject and to stop using or consuming something. And, you know, this, this step is so often has been missing. Even in the church, people don't realize that after they repent, they need to renounce things. And I want to say this to you this morning. The strength of this and the importance of it is that when you renounce something, you have to speak it out. You have to declare it. So if you are renouncing, say, self-rejection in your life, you realize you've been someone who's rejected something or maybe you've always been someone who's dealing with self-pity in your life or if you are like me, you're a person who uh, was being depressed about things and always discouraged about who you are and that you didn't measure up 
you have to begin to speak to that thing and say, get out of my life. I'm not participating with you anymore. I cast you out now in the name of Jesus. And, and as you speak those things, you know, it begins to break things. It begins to break cycles that you and I can be caught up in. But you have to speak them. You know, even Jesus said, he said, if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it shall be done for you. And he was, what did he say? He said, if you say to this mountain, in other words, you have to speak it. You can't just think it. You can't just say it under your breath. You know, that's, it's a good first thought and, and that sort of thing. But you have to speak it. You have to not be afraid nor be ashamed to declare the things that God has called you to declare. Because when you start doing that, then God will break those things off. And you, there was a time, as I said, I struggled with uh, depression and unworthiness and all that in my life. And there was one time in my bedroom I was in this struggle. And I think I've shared this story with you before. But I just began to say, I said, depression, you are not going to sit on me. I'm not going to participate with you. You get out of my life right now in Jesus' name. And then I just started worshiping the Lord. And I didn't feel like worshiping God, but I just said, I'm just going to worship. And I started doing that. And about five, ten minutes later, you know, it's just like the flow, the Holy Spirit came in. But when I made that declaration, I started taking that step. I could literally feel something just lifting off of me. I could feel that weight. I could feel that depression, oppression that the enemy was just trying to put on my life. I could feel it lift off. And I'm telling you, evil spirits are real. You know, when we read about Jesus casting out evil spirits, if you, if you read the New Testament, if you read the Gospels, you see Jesus doing a lot. And I'll tell you, spirits are still in this world, and they're still oppressing and still trying to bind people up. But God is still setting people free. And your part in it is to renounce those things and to speak against them. And then once you've done that, then you remove those things from your life. You stop participating with them. You refuse to allow those thoughts to be your meditation anymore. You just refuse to think in that way anymore. And then the sixth step is to resist. You know, the enemy always comes with a counterattack in your life. He always tries to come back again. But you resist. And the way you do that, the word says in James 4 and 7, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You cannot resist Satan without submitting to God. You, you have to stay in this word, right? We have to wait and we have to wash with this word. And that washing enables you to submit to God. And in that submission, you find a power that rises up in you and enables you and empowers you to resist the devil's counterattacks on your life. The seventh one is rejoice. You know, just I was sharing about in my, my own little bedroom experience there. You know, I just began rejoicing. Thankfulness is so powerful. And if you do it, even though you don't feel like doing it, trust me, the flow will come. The flow will come if you just stay at it. And then finally, you have to restore. You know, to restore is to bring back to a state of health. Is to bring back to a state of health. God is in the business of restoring. God is not just in the business of saving. He's not just about people getting saved and then going to heaven. He is in the place of seeing people restored fully in their lives. That's why you have a walk before you get to heaven. Because God is teaching you how to stand up. 
God is teaching you, uh, you know, how to overcome and things in your life. And he's teaching you that not just for yourself, but so that you can help other people out there who need to overcome. And when they hear your story and how you overcame, it'll give them faith. It'll give them hope to believe that they too, no matter how deep of a pit they may be in, that they can overcome. And every one of you has a story that somebody else needs to hear. Everybody of you has a story that somebody else needs to hear. So, you know, if your life wasn't one of of drugs and alcohol and everything else and and wine and women, you know, it it doesn't make your testimony any less valuable because there's other people that have been where you've been and they need to hear your story. They just need to hear your story, maybe like mine, of how I learned to break out of a place of, of, int- un, of an unintimate relationship with my parents and, and learn just how to be the one who initiates, be the one who learns how to say to other people, you know, I love you, I appreciate you, and, 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 and hug people and, and do the thing that before you never had any liberty or freedom to do because you were so bound up. So, you know, praise God for his steps, you know, that, that he wants us to learn to walk in freedom. So, Father, I, I just thank you today. I just thank you that in your word, you have revealed to us these steps. And, Father, I just thank you that by your spirit this morning, God, I just, I just know that you're speaking to hearts. You're speaking to people that are just listening to us online this morning. And, and there's just a step there they realized they've missed in their life and, and they've been caught in this circle. They've been stuck in this place and, and just haven't been able to get out. And God, it's, it's an area where they haven't exercised. It's an area where maybe they haven't renounced something. They haven't spoken to that thing and declared and, and asked that thing to leave and chosen that they're not going to participate with it anymore. God, we just thank you for your liberty and for your freedom that you bring So, Lord, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you will just seal this word this morning to the hearts of your people, that you'll just seal your word to the hearts of everyone who's listening this morning, that, God, there is a way, even in a place where there is no way. God, because you're the one who makes a way where there is no way, because you're the God of the supernatural, just as you were with Elijah and a fire falling, God, You're the God of the supernatural who touches hearts today. And so, Father, just seal this word by the power of your spirit. God, we bless you today, and we just thank you for what you're going to do. We just thank you that our our lives and our community is going to change because you're moving amongst your people. You're shaking up lives, and you're bringing them into a place of liberty and freedom. And that word is going to go out and touch other people in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you guys. Have an awesome week this week. Uh, if you want prayer for anything, you know we're here at the front if, uh, if you'd like prayer for anything. But God bless you. Have an awesome week. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website 
at atthecrossroads.ca.